Good morning, beloved. Welcome to beloved. For those who are watching us online, we have uh, you can find us on Facebook. Our handle is at beloved sons of God. Uh, okay, so write to us if you've been blessed by our messages. We love to hear from you. Uh, if you live in Bombay and want to gather, you want to know where we gather in Bombay. Again, write to us. We'll tell you where we gather. We'll send you our address. Uh, below this video, I have a link put up of uh, it's a PDF file of all the scripture verses that I'm taking today. Okay, so I'm speaking on rest. Uh, I started last Sunday, and the message was Jesus is the Lord of your rest. I said on a Sunday, Jesus was the only. We talked about the Shabbat, right? Last week, how do you remember last week's message? And I took it in the Old Testament of what the Shabbat is, what the Sunday is, right? And it says that God rested on the seventh day and He sanctified it. Why does God sanctify? It says that God rested, but God can never get tired. Okay, so He rested on the seventh day is because His works were finished. That's why He rested. And then he sanctified that rest. Sanctification means set it apart to call it holy. That means there's something about your rest that is sanctified, that is holy. Okay. And uh, we talked about how I spoke about it in Deuteronomy, where the promised land was also referred to as God's rest. And God said that my children, that time they were disobedient, so he was like, they're not going to enter my promised land because of the unbelief. Okay. And what was the promised land? It was a place where... God said that, you know, Israel, my children, you are going to live in houses that you didn't build. I'm going to fill it with things that you like, but you didn't fill them. You're going to drink out of wells that you didn't dig. You're going to eat out of trees that you didn't plant. And so what, what you get an understanding of what is the promised land? Some place where God wanted to bring his children into a finished work where they didn't have to work for anything. Not by sweat. But it's because that God loved them and he just wanted to be father for them. Like he wanted to be provider where you don't say this is by your own doing. Every time, if think about it, if they went into the land and they ate a fruit, they would have to say, wow, I'm eating something that I didn't plant. And they go into a house or I'm living in this house that I didn't build. And then what do you feel? It has nothing to do with you. It has all to do with him being good to you. And that's what I see what it is about coming back home, back to the father. You know, and the more I'm understanding what rest is, rest is really being fatherly. Knowing that you don't have to worry about your life because there's somebody else having, having it all figured out for you. Okay? So I told you the Old Testament is a shadow of things to come. That's why I took you into what rest looks like in the old, so that you understand. When I say that learn to rest, you realize why rest is because the work is finished. That this problem, Priya, you don't have to do it is because you don't need to be your own savior in this situation. That there's somebody who has gone ahead and done everything for you and learn to sit and see how those things already submit and maybe you realize that there is nothing to be fixed for the Son of God. Okay? Now, so let's look at Colossians 2, 16, 17. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Do you know that the Old Testament God said the Sabbath? If you work on the Sabbath, do you know what was the commandment that time? 
you will be stoned if you get out of the rest. Jesus comes in the New Testament. After Jesus comes, he keeps, he says that I am the Sabbath. I am the rest. And when everyone was sitting down, when no one was working, who was the most active person? Jesus. He was the only one working on the Sabbath. Okay? Now see this. Hebrews 4. So let me read this and then I'm going to bring home something more beautiful today. Hebrews 4. Okay? Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still remains and is freely offered today, let us fear in case any one of you may seem to come short of reaching it or think he has come too late. For indeed we had the good news of salvation preached to us just as the Israelites also when the good news of the promised land came to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because it was not united with faith or mixed with faith in God by those who heard. For we who believe, that is who we who personally trust and confidently rely on God, enter that rest. So we have his inner peace now because we are confident in our salvation and assured of his power, just as he has said, as I swore in my word, they shall not enter my rest. Now I'll explain this. Although his works were completed from the foundation of the world, for somewhere he has said this about the seventh day, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works, and again in this, they shall not enter my rest. Now what is what is what is the writer of Hebrews, which I think is Paul, okay, saying in the old, why didn't the why couldn't the children of Israel enter the promised land? Remember? The story? They were murmuring and complaining when God said go and take the promised land. What happened? They sent out spies to spy out the land. So spy out the land. And when they went, they saw that there are giants in the land. So they didn't see the big trees. They didn't see the big houses. They didn't see the big wells, maybe filled with water. They saw the big giants. But obviously if God had to bring them in this land with big things, he would need giants to do all the work for him. Okay, so that, and what was God's plan? He was going to take the giants out and have his children come in. And so what happens? They go in, some people go and see, and they really don't think that it's God who's going to give them that land. They really thought they have to fight it. But if you realize the battle is the Lord's, they didn't have to do anything. And then what happened? God said that, you know what, because you don't believe that I can give you this land, now I don't want this complaining generation. And then what happens? Joshua and Caleb are the only two people when they've gone into that land. They say, you know what? They saw something else. They didn't see the giants. They just saw the big trees, the big fruit, the big houses. And they were so excited. Yes, God is going to give this land. And so, but what happened? The majority started murmuring and complaining. So God said, you know what? All the people who murmur and complain, you're not going to enter the land. But Joshua and Caleb, right? Who are the two people? Joshua and Caleb. It said that your generation will enter the promised land because you have a different spirit. Okay, and then you know how they enter the promised land, right? Just by a trumpet blast, by a shout of praise. Okay, because it was God who was going to give them that land and come into this land. And I love what it says. It says when they come into that land, it says that now God has given you rest from all your enemies. It was a place of really being father. Okay, and so that promised land was called the rest. And now this is saying in verse 4, for somewhere he has said this about the seventh day, God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this, they shall not enter my rest. 
He calls the promised land my rest. And so after you come into Christ, it's called his rest. You've come into his rest and enter into his rest. When everything is done. Okay, now see this. Therefore, since the promise remains for some to enter his rest, and those who formerly had the good news preached to them failed to grasp it and did not enter because of their unbelief, disobedience. He again sends a definite day, a new day today, providing an other opportunity to enter that rest. Say, through David after a long time, just as has been said before, in the words already quoted, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. This mention of a rest was not a reference to their entering into Canaan, which was the promised land. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not speak about another day after that. So there remains a full and complete, now see this, Shabbat rest for the people of God. For the one who has once entered his rest, whose rest? His rest. For the one who has once and for all entered his rest has also rested from the weariness and pain of the human labors, just as God rested from those labors uniquely his own. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest, to enter that rest of God, to know and experience it for ourselves. Let me read that again, verse 9. So there remains a full and complete Shabbat rest for the people of God. Are you in Christ? Do you believe in Jesus? Yes. You enter His rest, the Shabbat. Okay? For the one who has once entered his rest has also rested from weariness and pain of all human labors. I'll tell you what that rest is and not doing. Okay? What it is? What, what is it not to be at rest? Now let's go down. So that no one will fall by following the same example of disobedience. Okay? As those who died in the wilderness. Verse 12. For the word of God is willing and active and full of power, making it operative, energizing, effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. You know what a two-edged sword is? I thought a two-edged sword once was having two points. <laughs> That's what I thought. Then I, uh, you know, I saw in Revelation sound about the sword coming out of Jesus' mouth. A double-edged sword. That means both the edges are sharp. It's a two-edged sword. Okay? The word of God is living and active. You are born of the word of God. You are alive. I was meditating yesterday in the word. It says, when Jesus said, I am the way. And then I was meditating that he said, I am truth. I am truth. The Holy Spirit is called the spirit of truth. Everywhere it just talks about truth. And I said, oh, he's come. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. That means he is saying he's truth. Do you know what it means? If he's true, then everything else is deception. So I better listen to him because he is true. And he sits, the word of God is alive and active, sitting between what is true and what is illusion and deception. Okay? Now see this. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating as far as the division of soul and spirit. That means 
and you know if your soul is getting renewed it will tell you what is from the world and what is of god the word of god okay the completeness of a person and of all joints and marrows the deepest parts of our nature exposing and judging the very thoughts and intentions of the heart oh, so you can go somewhere and because you're born of the word do you know that you will pierce between the thoughts and the intentions even of a person's heart they can be right in front of you but because you're born of the word you will you will see right through them because you're born of the word they, they, they just meditate on this that you're born of the word you are the word and so that even if somebody is standing in front of you it says exposing and judging the very thoughts and intentions of the heart okay and not a creature exists that is concealed from his sight but all things are open and exposed and revealed to the eyes of him with whom we have to give an account okay so what is the talk about we enter into his rest the promised land was symbolic of a rest that was there for the people of god and so now when you come into christ you enter his rest his shabbat okay and i told you Jesus says that I am the Lord of your rest. He is the Lord of the Shabbat. That means you come to a place where He is. He is Father over you. I am learning everything about rest when I read the Old. I said rest is but you, man doing nothing, man not even acknowledging for any of the goodness that he has in his life. Because the promise line was that they couldn't take credit for anything. It is all the Father. That's what grace is. And I am realizing rest is really. About not worrying, worry, and I will mean, talk about that in uh, in Matthew. And I'm learning where he doesn't want his sons to worry or take any care because it comes from being an orphan. Okay, and rest is really like she said. You know, when a problem shows up or anything shows up, you don't take it and make it your own. You don't try and be savior because that's not your place. The Gentiles do that. That means a world that does not have Christ needs to catch the problem. Let's worry about this. Let's be savior over this. And when you rest, is not taking it as because it's Sunday or it's finished. There's nothing to run behind. That's when you're. It's it's almost like you're you're saying you know your rest is sanctified. Sanctified means whatever is sanctified, the devil can't touch. Okay, you're becoming an untouchable. You're walking like that. Okay, let's look at. Hebrews ten sixteen. Okay, now this is talking about just before this. If you read Hebrews ten, read it because it talks about how all your sins, past, present, future, is all on the cross. Beloved is an awake church. Push, get the guys awake and alive and active and an understanding church. Okay, be alert, be awake because the seed is going in. Okay, this is the most important time for you. Okay, Hebrews ten sixteen. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and in their minds. I will write them. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. I will remember no more. Now, where there is remission, remission means complete forgiveness. Where there is complete forgiveness of sins. There is no longer an offering for sin. You will only give an offering for sin if you need forgiveness. But if God is saying that now through Christ, this one offering, because Christ was your offering, all your sins 
have been taken away. I remember them no more. So he's saying, where there is complete forgiveness of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. That's why I always keep saying, the reason why you should have victory, you know, whether you have some life symptoms in your body, whether you, whether you have a court case, whether you have a failed marriage, whether you're looking for anything, the reason why should you receive something, not because you're good, bad, not because you attend Sunday service or you're even serving in beloved. The reason why you should receive anything is because of blood. Because of blood. is because your relationship with your father has been perfected in Jesus' blood. You're a son of his blood. The simplicity you receive all inheritance by the blood. Let that be grounded in you. Okay? And so it says, you'll see this. To enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, by a new and a way that is living, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. His flesh is called the veil. Do you know that in the Holy of Holies, only the high priest could go in once, right? And what was it? What separated everything else? There was a veil. And now Jesus is saying his flesh is called the veil. That was, that's why after he went on the cross, it said the veil was torn into two. Okay? So his flesh, that means that's why Jesus had to go on the cross. All your sin in the flesh. Anything that you do. Your sin in the flesh, it says in Romans 8, has been condemned in the body of Christ. So that you go free. Okay? Now see this. It says that is his flesh. Okay? So the veil that is his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with the true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Let us go in full assurance of faith. The Bible says a condemned heart can't receive from the Father. Okay? It says here, go ahead to the Father in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. Do you know what that word evil is? That word evil is poneros, P-O-N-E-R-O-S in Greek. And it means a heart full of labors and hardships. It means pressed and harassed by labors, by toils, annoyances, perils. And the second example is of bad nature or condition. The first one says a heart full of labors and annoyances or hardships. An evil heart, what God calls is somebody who is constantly worried. And then he's saying, listen, look at this. Come to God with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having your heart sprinkled from all worry. Your bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is, is faithful. You know, I love in the old, when you look at uh, Sarah's life, and I mentioned this before, okay? It says that when God told Sarah that she's going to have a baby. Now imagine they are, they are old and it looks impossible but God has given her a word. That is not going to be, you know the story, right? Sarah got a word came that you know what, through your seed Abraham, I'm going to make, there are going to be many, many, many generations that will come, many descendants. But Abraham is looking at, but I have no heir. Like Sarah, we, we have no child. And so now a word comes and no, Sarah is going to, a seed is going to come from her. 
okay and now sarah is waiting and she gets tired and she thinks maybe i will help god and so she says she tells her maid servant hagar come and go live with my husband and through hagar and abraham comes ishmael and we know what happened after the generations and everything that came through ishmael and still uh, you know the world is um, well living you know the the entire muslim generation comes from ishmael okay but uh, when god spoke god didn't need any help and it says in in genesis 21 i believe what god had said god did and then i like because sarah laughed you know and there is conversation going on when god appears to abraham before before they can see and um, god says that you know i mentioned that you want to have a baby and then it says behind that sarah laughed and then god says why did sarah laugh and then she denies it she said no no i didn't laugh because she's thinking how at this age will i have pleasure Okay, and then I love in general, in Hebrews it doesn't talk about Sarah law because there's this whole hall of faith, right? Like all the people who had faith, and it says that Sarah, I Sarah came to the point where she judged him faithful, and maybe she realized that it has nothing to do with me. It has all to do with him being good to me, and I believe that she came to a place of rest. because rest really is when you look at the promised land it has nothing to do with you it has everything to do with him being good to you and him being faithful to you so that you can say when you're eating of the fruit i didn't plant this i'm eating something that i didn't plant i have this baby that i didn't do anything for it is completely impossible for me to conceive this at this age it is simply because god kept his word to me and now sarah can see in isaac that her father is faithful to his word and that's what it says here let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering what is the place of rest for he he who promised is faithful is faithful to you okay now see this look at matthew 6 and so what is rest for you what does it mean to be at rest okay so let's look at this I love this. I was meditating on this since since a whole week. You know this. Uh, so God, uh, I was in Bible study. We were talking about the fruits of the spirit. Okay, and maybe one of these Sundays I'm going to share on the fruits because I didn't do that uh, when we were doing on righteousness, and I wanted to talk about the fruits, and I've left that part out. So I'm going to do that on one of the Sundays. Um, so this. So I've been. I was reading on kindness that God is kind, and kindness is one of our fruits. Okay, and loving kindness in the Bible is actually mercy. So I was talking about like I am merciful. So this morning again in the morning, you know, I I get up, I got up early, I got up at eight, and my maid doesn't come still, you know, and you know the issue with my maid, okay? And it's nine thirty, and she's still, and I'm just thinking like, I think this conversation should end now because you know there's no use of me saying I mean I told you. So my head I was thinking like should I get you maid? Oh, all of these things are going on. So I left the door open for because sometimes if I'm drying my hair, I can't hear the doorbell ring. So let the door open. So at nine thirty, she comes in, and like as if it's just normal, you know. Like so. Anyways, I went down. I didn't say anything. She tried to see my reaction, and I was very normal. I just decided I'm just not going to make an issue about this, uh, and I just kept on, you know. I got on with my work, and then suddenly, so I gave mercy. Mercy is not giving someone the bad they deserve. Grace is is giving someone the good that they don't deserve. 
Okay, like when you give grace marks, you do anything, you were 30, uh, you know, what is the passing? 35 or 100 marks. So you got, you got 30 and someone just says, look, let me just give you 5 more marks and pass you. Okay, that is grace. And mercy is not really giving bad that someone deserves. Now she's on, I've told her this for 4 years, come on 9, Sundays is my church day, please come at 9 o'clock. You know what happened last week? Still, you know, still shows up at 9.30. So I just gave a mercy and I said, I'm not going to do anything. Guess what happened? Now, this is what the Lord is correcting me, constantly telling me. He, he's been telling me since two years to give mercy. To have mercy. Like if I don't have anything tattooed on me, I'll tattoo mercy. Okay? So, uh, so he, and I was woken up with a voice and he said, Give and it shall be given. Press down, shake it together, running over, will be put in your bosom. And if you read that verse, again, it really talks about mercy. Okay? So I, I didn't say anything. Next thing I know, my closet is in a mess. All my clothes are, you know, hand folded there. There's a big, like a big mountain there. Okay. And suddenly I see she's folding all the clothes. And in 15 minutes, she has cleaned my closet perfectly. And all the clothes are lined up. And I go and see, I was so happy. <laughs> because maybe because I shut my mouth and I didn't say anything. She knew she was late. And you know, I got mercy back in return. Like she is giving me something that I don't deserve. You know, and she gave me back grace to really. But uh, she did it all and I was so thankful that I have everything neat and tied up if you go to my house and everything is kept orderly. And I saw a truth here. Again, and I have every time I've given mercy, I just get it back in abundance, you know. And so really as a son, you're not giving mercy, you are mercy. And it's in your nature to be mercy. So I started believing that first about, we talked about the fruits of the Spirit on Wednesday. And I started saying, I'm self-control, I am mercy. And so even as you're saying, that's the truth. Now you're, you're giving it in that situation where everything tells you, you better lay it off. I said, no, I've done it many times. It's not worked. So I'm not going to do it today. I just continue. And then I got, uh, you know, I was so happy when I was leaving the, the house. I was really happy. Okay. So look at this. So I want to talk about uh, what I'm going to say. The kingdom of God is alive and real. Okay. And when you when you see yourself as who you are, you'll actually see that God's word is so true. And when He said every time prayer you give mercy, it will be given back to you, shaken like the you know like the champagne bottle running over will be poured back to you. And I got it back, and I was so happy for that. Okay. So let's let's look at Matthew six. So I like before Jesus talks about not worrying. Look at this what he says here. In verse 24, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon means what? Money. Okay? Now see this. Now he tells you how you are serving. How are you serving this person? Therefore, I say to you, do not worry. So every time you're worrying about your life or money, he's saying that you're actually worshipping mammon. Okay, now see this. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. And so I looked at the word life in Greek. Do you know what the word life is in Greek? It says that when God made Adam, it says he breathed life into him. He made him a living soul. Psych. P-S-U-C-H-E. Okay, it just talks about Adam became a living soul. That word there is not life. That word is actually soul. That is you. That means it's literally saying, therefore I say, do not worry about you. 
God is saying, do not worry about you. And the first thing our intention is, every time in any situation, it is to save yourself. In any way, with the boss or with anything, it is about saving you. And God is saying, don't worry about you. Because you don't belong to you. You belong to Him. That's not your job to worry about you. Okay? Now see this. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about you. What you will eat, what you will drink, not about your body, what you will put on. Is not you more than food, not the body more than clothing? Now see this. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? How is he saying you are worshipping the world and man by worrying? You know, I realized uh, when mom had the cancerous report, uh, you know, many years ago when it showed up as malignant, and that time I had another some boy issue going on, okay? So I was crying about it. And I really felt more guilty because when that thing came, when I read about the whole cancer thing, you, you know, it, my rest was that, but the, the timing covenant. And I, it was literally like that. It was as simple as that. I said, but some like even says nothing will touch. This is wrong. And then I still kept crying about the boy issue, you know, more. And so I felt more guilty that I'm more worried about that than this. Like, shouldn't I be more concerned about my mom's report, you know, and I have this whole thing going on. But my rest really was that you enter his rest and she's no more my mother, she's his. That's why Jesus says, everything that belongs to me, all that are mine, are yours. You learn to rest more. And I told you the end result of that, that report, really because I didn't uh, worry about it, and I didn't catch that problem and make it my own. And then the next a week, the report changed negative to a non-malignant report. Okay? It's because I didn't make it my problem. I didn't even catch it. I just shook it up. I said, no, it's not like, it's not in our nature. Okay? Now see this, okay? So I want you to see this. It says here, your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to the stature? So the way you really serve you, you think like how you're serving idols and I, it's not about the idol worship. It's about how are you idolizing it is by really worrying and obsessing about something. That's why even rheumatoid arthritis, I shut the door like what she did. She didn't run after it on Google and all of this running after it. And then the minute I stopped pursuing that problem, I was literally saying I'm not serving you, I serve him. And what is the rest? What is the opposite here? He's saying that you have a heavenly father. Okay, I remember once I had a dream, before I go ahead, I'm going to share this. Uh, this was again the time when I was falling sick and uh, he gave me a dream and I've shared this in Bible study. I saw a thief stealing things in a house and everyone was running behind him. And then somebody comes and tells me in the dream, if everyone stops giving him the attention, he will stop doing what he's doing. It's like if one person was speaking. And then people started logging in and hearing and hearing and that's how this guy became very big. If he's a terrorist or you know someone bad. He, he got a name because a lot of people started giving him attention. But imagine if this guy was speaking and no one gave him attention. What would he do? He would not be, he would not do anything. 
because no one is following him. He's got no followers. He's, no one is giving him any attention. And so, in the dream I was told, evil stops when you stop pursuing. Pursuing. So I looked it up in Proverbs. I got up, and that verse says, "Evil stops, or the devil stops when you stop pursuing him." And so, how are you pursuing him? By worrying about it, by running after it, by making it your own. And then I got up, and that's the time when I stopped doing all the Google and I was researching all these symptoms of what I have on my body. I just stopped it. I said, "I'm not going to give this any more attention." My nature is that I'm a son. It's not my nature to fall sick. And you know what happened, right? Eight months later, everything disappeared. Do not worry. Do not catch the problem and make it your own. Okay. Now see this. One second. Let's go into deeper truths here. Okay. <clears throat> I'm on verse twenty-eight. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will He not much more clothe you, or you of little faith? He's saying here, now, just go deep. He's really saying, why are you trying to be owner of your own life? And then He's trying to tell you, can you take a back seat and realize that there is a Father over you? You can only stop worrying when you know you're not an orphan. The minute Adam fell, there was a separation that happened. He fell into an orphan hood. I told you, why did Adam fall in the first place? Because he tried to make decisions for his future. He should have just simply shut up and listened to what the father said. Don't eat out of the tree. Don't eat out of the tree. No brain in this. My father said so and so it is. He tried to make a better future for himself and he fell. And that's why death came in. And now the father has pulled you out of darkness into his life, back into fatherhood. And where literally in all things I'm learning to know that your word, Father, I trust you, that you are faithful. In all of Sarah's long suffering, whatever that happened, she came to the place where she realized it has nothing to do with her. Do you know that's what beloved means? It has nothing to do with you. You are his beloved. He calls you his beloved. He is obsessed about you. It has nothing to do with you. Beloved means you're the object of someone's affection. So you are his beloved. It will happen because he loves you. Not because of your love for him. Because his faithfulness to you. His goodness to you. Okay, rest is really in a place where it's all about him. I told you in a hammock, when you can only have true rest in a hammock, when you have complete trust that the hammock is holding you. And you can't lie down when you don't know that it's moving. I remember the place of even when I was in UK, when I, I had no cares and I didn't worry about my dad and passed on that time. And I didn't worry about even how my uh, tuition is going to be met every day because I so knew that I'm fathered. And in a sense of being fathered comes when you know that you really love, you'll also start believing what he says about you. The, the two go hand in hand. Knowing that you're loved and also then believing, believing his words about you. They go hand in hand. Tell you, it, it comes from a place of like, you know, Papa said so. And so you will land up because you know that there is a Papa first who loves you so much, then you will also listen to Papa's words. They go hand in hand, okay? Now see this, 
It says here, therefore, in verse 31, therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? After all these things, the, who seek? The Gentiles seek. For your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. After all these things, the Gentiles, you know, the Gentiles were the pagan nations. That means they were the ones who did the idol worship. They were not the, they were not considered the children of God. Or the outcasts, like they don't know, they don't have a God. They don't have a father. And so for them to worry about it, like they were called, another word for Gentiles, it's, it's called the nations of the world. Like out of the covenant of God. So the outside people, the, the people in the other realm, like I said, the humans worrying about it, yes. But you, it says, you have a heavenly father and he knows what you need, that you need all these things. In Greek, that word need actually means, it even means your wants and your desires. I looked it up in Greek. It means, not only needs, it means everything that you want, everything that you even desire, he knows that you, this is important for you and you will, there will be use for you for all of these things. And then he's saying, but so he's saying, I don't want you to worry about all of these because the, the people who don't have a father, it's okay for them to do it, but not for you. Then verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. How do you serve something? By worrying about it. And so when you are in the kingdom, in Christ, don't worry about it. Take no thought. That's why even in this, in Matthew 6, okay, another version for worry, it says, take no thought. The word for worry in Greek is <coughs> merimano, okay, M-E-R-I-M-N-A-O. In Greek, it means to be divided, distracted, to be anxious, to be troubled with cares, to take thought, to look out for the thing. To look out for a thing. That means, let me try and solve this for myself. And what is your job when a problem comes to you? Don't touch it. Learn to rest. That's why I, I told you, David in his life, David didn't take down Goliath for himself. He took down Goliath for Israel. When it came against the armies, he said, how can this Goliath come, this Philistine come against, come, come, come against Israel? Okay, but David took down the lion, the bear. And still he didn't take it down. It's, he says that God gave me victory over the lion, over the bear. And so when Goliath showed up, he said, yeah, God will give me victory, he landed a big savior for Israel. In the small things you take to be, that's why I said in small things choose not to worry. Whenever catch yourself and whenever the worry comes, everything comes and says, you don't have a father, now let's fix this. Let's see how we are going to solve this problem. And that's the time when you have to just take a back seat. Yeah, the humans will do this, but not me. I choose not to because I don't even want to serve it. I'm not going to worry about it. You know, recently I've been doing projects and like people just haggle. Babylon, like the world just wants a good price. There's haggling and everything. And I'm just wanting the pressure and for me to just, and you know, sometimes it'll be like, oh, see, we won. We went down, we, we won. And so this was playing on my mind yesterday. And I was like, Lord, I just don't want to be anything. I don't care how much discounts or whatever I've given and the haggling. Uh, you know, and I, I just wanted to be set free out of it because it was giving me an identity, like see, we got something more out of you. And then I realized I have a life-giving spirit. 
if anywhere I go, there will get life out of me. And then I realize that my source is not them. My source is my heavenly father. And just the way I told you, if a leaf comes out of a tree of life, what will happen? Another leaf will come. So you can take as much as you want. My father will just keep giving more and more and more. Because your supply and my supply comes from him. So people want to take out of you. And then I, I was reading Matthew and it says that, you know, if someone takes your cloak, your one cloak or whatever, let him have the other. And, uh, you know, someone wants to sue you, yeah, let him just go ahead. And in my head I'm thinking that you're saying all these things. And then later on he says, you know, you'll be like your father, sons of your father in heaven. And Jesus did not have any, uh, any sense of death in him or loss. Because he is life. You can take as much as you want because he is a life-giving spirit. He's a tap. You just keep taking, taking, taking and nothing in the kingdom is diminishing. And so I just came out of that. I was like, I don't care how much they want me to come down and they think they won. My inheritance comes from my father and there is no lack in my kingdom, in the father's kingdom. And so you do not let that put an identity on you. And what was I doing? I was just worrying about it. So it was not about the money, I was just obsessing about this, like what is going on? And I was like, man, I'm serving this, I cannot. I have to come out of this. And I said, I'm just going to rejoice that everything about me comes from my father. And you realize in small things, you learn to see that you're father. Rest is really a place that you are father. I'm telling you, you land up resting more and more, knowing that now you've come back into your heavenly father. And that he's figured it all out for you. So don't catch the problem and make it your own. Okay? Now see this. It says here in Philippians 4.4. 4, look at this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Verse 6. Again, be anxious for nothing. That means don't worry about anything. Can I take 15 more minutes? Be anxious for nothing. That means you're telling me, don't worry about anything. Yesterday this came home so strong to me when I read that. Do not worry about you. So I'm thinking, but isn't it normal for me to worry about me? Like I should like be a little responsible it looks like. I should sort of like plan a bit. And then the father is saying, but I don't want you to do any planning. Because I have planned everything for you. And I've seen this when I was in the UK. I realized that when I was just about being a life-giving spirit and just going on, everything has been so planned, like an itinerary somebody has made for you when you go on a vacation. And then you realize your whole life is so fixed. You know, even about beloved, like we had a camera gone missing for the tech team, okay? And a week ago, the Lord has alerted me about the tech team. He said, put heads on it just for better governance. Now, wondering why, and so on this Wednesday, I told I said, Rishi, okay, so everything will flow out of you, you'll be the head, and appointing heads, and then, you know, the rest that I had, that the father has gone ahead, he knows all things, and so he just, even for better governance, how to let it flow, Priya, do this, and then we get to know, oh, the, this, the camera is missing here, you know, however, it's got misplaced or whatever, but you're so loved, and I realized, like, wow, how father are we? That somebody has gone ahead, even seeing how to govern it properly. So do it. So I, I just did it casually. Oh, something has gone okay, but thank you, Father. This is already fixed. And we have another camera here. Somebody got it, you know, overnight. And everything is just flowing. Your whole life is Father. And you learn to rest 
because you are followed. Okay, I told you we are not sitting in uh, in in a chair. It says you are seated at the right hand of God in Christ on His lap. He's holding you. Okay, and if He's sitting, then you better sit down. He doesn't take take no thought. Take no thought. Why? It's because He's thinking for you. Okay, I'm learning in all things to be carefree, not to make the problem my own, not to worry about Priya. He's saying, Chitu, don't worry about you. Don't take ownership of who you are. I own you. You belong to me. Okay? Now see this. Be anxious for nothing. But everything by prayer. It says actually read by worship. And thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I love it after take no thought or it says don't be anxious about anything. That means take no thought. He says in verse 8, take these thoughts. And then he tells you what thoughts to take. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, that means true. Whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report. If there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, take these thoughts. The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do and the God of peace will be with you. He's telling you, just meditate. I told you, Jesus says, I am the truth. I'm just meditating just on that so much. If he is the truth and the Holy Spirit has given me, he's called the spirit of truth. Why the spirit of truth? Not miracles, not anything, but truth. Because truth, truth, imagine we fell into a world that presents illusions and deception. And he tells you the truth first. And so now like a good son, just listen to your father. That this is truth and this is a lie. And even as you're resting in that, I'm telling you, knowing you're the beloved and hearing his words go hand in hand. You really know in all things. I'm reading again in John. I realize that Jesus constantly knows he's loved these two people. Constantly my father is with me. With me. And then it's like, yeah, I listen to his words. Whatever I speak is what he's speaking to me. You land up doing it. Automatically. It says if you love me, keep my words. Hear my words. Do my words. Okay? Have his words in you. Have his words are his thoughts. His thoughts are his words, okay? <clears throat> Last I want to go to, uh, you know, the seven miracles that Jesus performed on the Sabbath, right? I've mentioned this before. And we click, quickly just go through these, okay? Uh, so last week I told you, I shared an example. When you're sleeping on the bed, whenever you have good sleep, or someone says, you know, I had really good sleep. And then you realize if you have good sleep, the body is also, your physical body is also very relaxed the next day. Suppose you go to a spa. And then you lie down. And then someone massages you. But if you fell asleep in that, you really come more relaxed. But if your mind is active and worried, do you know that you won't even feel anything that the person did on your body? You won't. So it has to do with your mind rest. That's why I told you, you can sleep on the bed flat. But if you have been awake and worried, the next day, your body will pay. Why? But you were lying flat on the bed. So your posture of sleeping has got nothing to do with true rest. It has got to do with your mind 
being rested. And what is pearl rest? It's a rest for your soul. And what is rest for your soul is not worry. And God wants that area, that worry that came in right from the fall where you started planning out your own future, Adam, and you fell. You didn't let me plan it. You should have quietly listened to me. And now you've come back to the place where the Father has your future planned, everything for you. And you learn to simply just rest here. Yeah, I'm going to rest because you have it all figured out for me. And I told you that example of floating on the water, right? When your whole body is tensed, you're still drawn. But when you're really relaxed, you can float on water and then the water will hold you. You can only rest when you know that you're loved, that you have a father who's figured it all out. You're not alone. And that your father has gone ahead and done everything. And then how loved are you? You will end up being a life-giving spirit in all things. In every area, the devil comes to tell you to take you out of your identity. So every time sometimes someone has a big problem, I tell them, go for a movie. You got a big report, symptom, you know, your, your, whether the doctor doctor gave you some report. I have really suggested many times, go for a movie, go for a comedy movie, not some serious movie. And then I give you, I got this report and tell me to go for a movie here, yeah, because you'll forget about it, you'll laugh. And then you'll come back, because see, everything comes to say, take me, catch me, let's make it our problem, let's fix this. And you're saying, no, there's nothing to be fixed. It's all under my feet, I'm father. It's a rest I've entered where everything is finished, the work is finished. And you'll realize if you do that, if you just don't worry, you don't run after that problem, you'll realize how it submits to you. You'll come back, you'll go to the doctor's side, the doctor says, hey, this is wrong. Or you do some testing and some answer disappear. All these things happen because you didn't serve mammon or you didn't serve the world by running after it, by worrying after it. It's a soul rest. That means, and it's got to do with not worry. Take no thought, take no thought, take no thought. Okay? That's why I say CTS. Cast your cares. That is take no thought. Pull, what is T? Pull down the thoughts or take no thoughts. And S is speak who you are. I am resurrection and life. That's who you are. I'm a life-giving spirit. When all those thoughts come, start worrying about it, go start ministering to somebody else. Because you'll start being a life-giving spirit. After some time you'll come back, you'll realize how everything has changed. Situations change. By you not forgetting who you are. Okay? Apply this, then you will share more testimonies with me. Seven miracles that Jesus performed on Sabbath. Okay? So Jesus heals Simon Peter's mother. She has a fever. Jesus goes, he just touches her, the fever leaves her. Jesus heals a man with a withered hand. He goes to a synagogue, I think this is it. Okay? And um, this guy is withered. Everyone of the Pharisees are looking, oh, we want to catch it because on Sabbath, on Sunday, or on the seventh day, you're not supposed to work. And so the Pharisees are looking like, how can we accuse him to break the law? And then Jesus goes, this guy is withered, and Jesus just goes and heals this guy. Okay? Jesus heals a man born blind. So now Jesus walking on the road. There's a man there who's born blind. Then people ask him, did his parents sin or his father sin or mother sin? You know, that he's born blind. And Jesus is like, it really doesn't matter who sinned. Or none of them. He's saying none of the above. He's saying, if the problem is here, it's because it's meant to be fixed. Okay? It doesn't matter why the problem showed up. If it's there in your path, you're meant to overcome it as a son. And then Jesus just heals the uh, man born blind, okay? Jesus heals a crippled woman. There's this woman who has a spirit for 18 years. She's bent down. Jesus goes. Jesus sees. Jesus heals. Sets her free. Jesus heals a man with dropsy, some sort of skin disease, okay? 
and then you know I think fluid is coming out from all your body parts. Again, Jesus goes, touches him. This guy is completely healed. Jesus drives out an evil spirit. Imagine in rest. The man asks Jesus if he came there to destroy them. Okay, and then suddenly Jesus heals this guy. It's in Mark 1, 21, verse 28. Jesus heals a lame man by the pool of Bethsaida. This guy has been lying there for 38 years. There were many people, okay? And then Jesus goes and he, he tells Jesus, Jesus says, do you want to be healed? He's saying, oh, I don't have anyone to put me in the, in the water or all of this. He's, Jesus says, Christ, take Christ. Now, what about the miracles on the Sabbath? Jesus saw, Jesus went, Jesus did. Okay? There was no mention of faith. I explained this to you before. Because you're operating by His faith. He saw, He did. I love the fact that everyone was still. And because they were still, maybe He could do. It says that when you believe in Christ, you enter His rest. You enter the Shabbat and even as you learn to rest and not worry about it, He is able to fix it for you, in you, through you, for you. You realize how those, even those sicknesses and everything might just start disappearing. I told him when, that, when I lifted up those tires, all that pain was so real. If I could make you experience it, it was so real. I felt like a pinched nerve in my back. I couldn't, my hand even couldn't move. And but the truth, the spirit of truth, I told you, what did the spirit of truth say? You didn't lift it. How could you have the pain? I said, yes, I didn't lift it. You did. Instantly, everything disappeared. We are not fighting against flesh and blood, against spiritual things. And so if you know who you are, you learn to rest. You co-labor with the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. He will only tell you truth. Your job is to believe it, the truth that he shows. And then when you believe that truth, the light disappears. Jesus is called, I am the way, the truth, the truth, the life. And in this world, we are in this world but not of this world. You are sons of truth, born of truth. Okay, and truth always sets you free. Okay, so I was healed everything by truth. By the Father to show me. So what is rest? That your father, that you're so, so father, that your father loves you so much, stop worrying about anything. Don't make it your own problem. Don't take the care. Because he cares for you. Take no thought. And the thoughts that he wants to take are his thoughts. Thoughts that are true. Thoughts that are praiseworthy. I always share in beloved. If you have nothing good to say, don't say anything. Okay, don't say anything. Don't go ever to somebody and say you're tired, you look so sick. No, they're not son's words because we are life-giving spirit. Okay, we edify and we build up. In fact, if you look, see someone looking haggard, please go and say, you are life and you are so full of energy. Because your words will change everything about that person's presence. Okay, so we are life-giving spirit. So let's give a time. Jesus is the Lord of your rest. So when you learn to rest, you're really saying, what are you saying? That you know, in this situation, I'm going to rest because even as I rest, I'm making you Lord and owner of my rest. That means you own this, not me. Even the situation is not mine, this is yours. And so you learn to sit with your father because you have a father. Okay? So say this after me, Father. I thank you, I'm a son in your kingdom. 
Jesus, you're my high priest. And right now, I give you a tithe, a thanksgiving of all the increase that you brought to my soul. And just begin to worship Right now, in every area, I want you to cast your care. Take no thought. How is it going to happen? How is the death going to be cleared? How are all of these symptoms going to get out of my body? I don't want you to run after the problem, after the cares. Cast all your cares. Learn to rest in His truth, what He says about you. And learn to rest and that resurrection life. Just say, your resurrection life in me is giving life to this mortal body, is giving life to this situation right now.